IBUK Talk, the Insurance Business UK podcast. This episode is presented in partnership with Covershore. Business ownership presents unique challenges, as well as unique opportunities for growth and business development. In this episode, we explore how insurance franchises can make this dream a reality for many insurance professionals. We sit down with three experts, Rob Palmer, Franchise Director of Covershore, Emily Price, Chief Operating Officer with the British Franchise Association, and John Palmer, Owner and Managing Director of Covershore Pool, Weymouth, and Maidstone. Three explore the key features of a franchise and what insurance professionals should know now to make the most of this opportunity. Hello everyone and welcome to the latest edition of IBUK Talk, the insurance industry podcast brought to you by Insurance Business. My name is Mia Wallace, Senior News Editor at Insurance Business UK and today we're going to be discussing what it means to run an insurance franchise. Now if you're not sure what it means to run a franchise, much less an insurance franchise, you're in luck as today we have on hand Emily Price, Chief Operating Officer of the British Franchise Association. Rob Palmer, Franchise Director of Covershore Insurance Services, which offers the UK's only franchi- insurance franchise model, and John Palmer, Managing Director of Covershore Pool, Weymouth and Maidstone. Thank you all so much for joining us here today. Emily, actually, I wondered if we could start with you when we turn to this question about insurance franchises, because perhaps a good place to start to set the scene would be for you to provide some insight into the franchise sector in general and maybe what a modern franchise business looks like. Yeah, um, absolutely. Thank you, Mia. Um, Franchising, for those that are not aware, is um, a pretty large industry in the UK. In fact, it does represent £17.2 billion um, of turnover. Um, We do have 710,000 people employed within the sector. And actually, when we talk about uh, franchisees, so people like John that are running business format franchises, there are 48,600 of those operating across the UK today. Um, When we talk about modern business format franchising, this is where a, um, a prospect would look to invest with a company such as Covershaw. Um, you would be uh, charged a, a joining fee typically to, to join. And then there is a huge amount of support and a business model that essentially you would be trained to operate to. Um, the key is the, the model is proven. So um, the when you enter into that model, any of the projections that you're provided with will have already been proven. And in the, with the likes of Covershaw, you are you're looking to enter into a network where there are a number of uh, many other uh, people that are operating very well established businesses um, and a, a very structured a central team that can offer the support and guidance um, to help you build a, a valuable asset for your future. No, that's fantastic. And it gives you a real insight into the sheer scale of the franchise sector, which is incredible. And Rob, what Emily's describing is obviously in the wider sector, but are you seeing elements of this in the Covershaw franchise business? Yes, um, absolutely, Mia. So um, so we've actually seen quite a big increase in inquiries coming into us recently for people looking to establish their own franchise businesses. And I think the pandemic has has, uh, has driven some of that interest as well. So there's been people within the industry that are reflecting on um, what they want to do in terms of their career, 
their work-life balance, what's important to them. And one of the other things that we're seeing is a, is a, a real interest from people is how they want to deal and service clients uh, and that kind of resurgence of the, the local broker uh, within the uh, the insurance marketplace at the moment. So um, doing that within a, you know, a safer environment of a franchise channel is, is proving to be uh, really appealing for people. I think there's also um, other elements that are driving people's interest in terms of uh, the independence that they have with, within operating under a, a franchise model. So they get that best of both worlds in terms of the infrastructure, the tools, the training, but they also have a high degree of independence as well as to what they would have uh, in other models to define their own strategy uh, and uh, build their own business and, and ultimately own their own asset, which I know is a really important part of, of modern franchising that you can realise that asset uh, at, at the end of it. Um, so, yeah, we're seeing uh, a, lot, a lot of interest in our business model, which really is similar to what Emily's described in the wider franchise sector at the moment. We're actually really lucky that we have you with us here, John, because you've successfully established a Covershaw franchise. And can I ask, what was it that drove your interest in running your own business and why did you choose Covershaw as the model? Yeah, thanks, Mia. Um, having worked in the insurance industry all of my working life, um, I spent 13 years working for a corporate insurance broker. I got to the point where I was as senior as I could be. There was sort of no further progression. I was in my early 30s and uh, looked at it and went, well, I'm either going to do this for the rest of my life, as in working for the same company with the same people, not really making too many decisions, but succeeding, or I kind of step away and do it for myself. Um, so, yeah, made that decision seven years ago. Um, and then from a Covershaw point of view, for me, it was all about being the local insurance man, um, being that kind of go-to person that people knew in the area. Um focusing on on sort of businesses, local small businesses, and every business owner has a car, every business owner has a home, maybe a boat, they have pets. And so I wanted to be able to offer them kind of everything under one roof and kind of Covershaw really gave me that opportunity to do that, to be a one-stop shop, to be a local insurance broker that could build a reputation locally with that brand, but, but ultimately to be able to offer all services. No, it's fantastic. Really interesting to hear about that motivation piece. And actually, Rob, I was wondering if you could give me some insights on a wider point about how a franchise insurance brokerage works and what it is that sets it apart from other market offerings, such as being part of an AR or a broker network. Yeah, sure. Uh, no problem. Probably before I dive into that, probably just a, a couple of comments around um I mentioned earlier the, the resurgence of the, the local broker, and I think um, that, that's really interesting just building on what uh, John's described there as well, that we see a high number of clients within the SME marketplace really having a strong desire uh, to uh, be serviced face-to-face with quality advice. And that's very much where we're uh, pitching the, the, the Covershaw business model, and we're investing really heavily at the moment uh, across Covershaw with the support of our our parent company, the Jenston Group, to make sure that our franchisees have got adequate systems and technology. We're investing really heavily in terms of marketing and HR, helping our franchisees with building teams and people capability and that kind of thing uh, to really make sure that they're geared up to maximise the opportunity that we think is out there at the moment with the, the local broker. 
and, and for Covershaw, what that local broker looks like is is a business that predominantly services SME businesses. Uh, it's predominantly commercial business, although as John described, we also you know build businesses that support that wider network of individuals uh, out there. Uh, and there's a mix within our business of people that are performing that very you know, important uh, local brokerage advising local businesses, but also the flexibility within the model uh, to uh, uh, provide service to niche uh, industries and the sectors as well. Uh, and that's one of the beauties, I think, of, of the different models that are out there in the, in the, uh, the industry. Uh, if you want a franchise, you have the opportunity to build your own strategy uh, that uh, suits your area of expertise or the geographical area uh, that you're operating in. So you see a mix of that across our particular franchise business. Um, I think we we sit uh, actually quite neatly in the middle of the the AR models uh, and the the full broker networks that are out there. And the balance really there is that um, all of our franchisees have the support to build uh, a, a a true brokerage uh, that operates underneath the franchise banner that is an asset that those guys own. They own the customers. Uh, they uh, service those customers. They are in control of those customers. Uh, and what they get is a, a framework of support, of technology and advice uh, and business coaching around that to help uh, ensure that they can operate that model uh, effectively. And I think you know, one of the really important things here as well is the financial contributions that they, they make to support the central model, which are typically lower than most of the AR models out there as well. So I think we're sitting probably quite neatly between those two different types of models. And as, as you mentioned at the start, the Covershaw model is unique. It's the only franchise uh, channel out there uh, within industry the insurance industry sector in the UK. Many thanks for that, Rob. And you've mainly touched on the subject of ARs there, but how does this question relate to broker networks? If we compare the Covershaw franchise model made to the uh, typical broker networks, which we see out in the, uh, the marketplace, and there's a variety of those different models, so they're, they're obviously not all the same. Uh, and they've all got their own uh, different uh, nuances to, to their particular models. But I think in terms of Covershaw, one of the strengths that we have is, is the enablement that we have to move people to set up and to trade in really quickly. So initially, uh, franchisees will operate for a short period of time as an AR of the Covershaw uh, business, and then they become independently regulated uh, in their own rights. But what that means is that we can have people trade in uh, very quickly. Um, I think the other thing that stands out, and I know John will talk about this in terms of his accounting procedures as well, is that all client money uh, is managed by Covershaw centrally. So something that typically people that are working independently would need to really understand and, and get their heads around with, with clear processes. There's a lot of support around that type of area uh, from the Covershaw model. And of course, the other benefit is that you're coming straight into an established brand with 93 other offices across the UK. So this isn't a startup operation, either from a, an operational structure uh, perspective or a branding perspective, uh, and certainly not from uh, the market activity and support that we can give to uh, new franchisees. Thanks, Robert. It's great to hear what sets this opportunity apart and what really differentiates this model. And John, coming back to you, I mean, Based on your experience, which elements of the franchise model have been most valuable to you in helping you successfully build your own business? Yeah, I think for me, the value comes all the way through the business. Uh, Covershaw for me really was a, a business in a box. 
from day one, I was able to hit the ground running to, to start kind of growing my business. Um, a website was, was ready to go. We had all our agencies in place. So it was a case of we're, you know, we're ready to trade. We can go. Um, there was nothing holding me back other than my kind of ambition and, and me getting out there and talking to local people. And I think having seen a couple of people looking to set up, in, you know, independently uh, as a broker, I can't now looking back think of anything worse because you know, the compliance side of things, the accountants, the accountant side of things. Um, I've said to, to Rob before, actually a few times, the value just in having my accounts reconciled centrally is, is huge because the cost and time implications of me going through absolutely every single policy we sell and reconcile it with the insurers, making sure that it all, you know, all adds up. Uh, it's just, it's a minefield really. So yeah, I mean, having that business in a box, have, being ready to go is complete value in itself. Um, you know, it's just allowed me to focus on doing what I'm good at, which is being a local broker. Fantastic. And, and John, obviously you've been down this road and you've managed to build a really successful business. So I was just wondering to help people understand what is achievable as a franchise insurance business. Can you tell us about some of the key milestones that you've achieved and what's next on your roadmap? Yeah, definitely. Well, there's been quite a few. Um, actually, I think the biggest milestone for me was employing my first member of staff. Um, coming from a corporate background where I managed a number of staff, quite a large team. When you go self-employed and, and you're doing it for yourself, actually, the first time you, you realise someone else's hands and life is, is in your hands, it, it's uh, it's quite a big moment. So we, we were six months old when I, I took on my first member of staff, which was a massive milestone for us. Um, I think hitting a million pound premium income in our second year was, was a you know, for me, a big milestone, a great achievement. Um, we won franchise franchise of the year award in our first year, which was you know incredible and, and super exciting. And then we won the same award two years later as well. So big milestones for me and sort of a a well done. You're doing you're doing it all right. You know, even though we're we're independent businesses, we're part of a bigger group. And actually, just getting that pat on the back sometimes as a business owner, you don't normally get that. So that that was amazing for me. And then as time has kind of moved past, when we were five years old or four and a half years old, we purchased our second business in, in Weymouth, which again was uh, was unbelievable, um, real milestone and certainly couldn't have done that without um, without Covershaw's assistance and guidance through that. And then more recently in March, we purchased our third business in Maidstone as well. So, yeah, some some fairly big for me milestones in there, but probably loads that, that I've forgotten about as well. No, that's fantastic. And would you mind letting me know what's next for the business as well? Yeah, yeah. Well, who knows? I think probably the honest answer. Um, I've always said the original goal for me, my 10 year plan was to have five local offices along the South Coast. Um, we're seven years, nearly seven years in now with three. I think we'll probably be around the four to five mark in the next two to three years. But Ultimately, it's just about servicing local clients, looking after local clients, organic growth and growth through acquisition. Um, and we're going to continue to do that um, and kind of build our presence. And that sounds fantastic. A lot of really great achievements there. And it doesn't sound like there's any sign of you guys slowing down either, which is brilliant. Great answer.
Emily, you touched earlier on the multi-location aspect of franchising your business. And John, you have established free franchises already. I just wondered if you wouldn't mind outlining some of the main benefits to a business of franchising their proposition. Um, So one of the great benefits for any business that's looking to franchise is the ability to upscale and grow um, their brand nationally um, and quite quickly when they get the right partners. And what you've heard here today is an example of exactly that um, with John's story. Um, But he wouldn't have been able to do that without an amazing proposition in place to allow him to um, get the reputational build and and grow effectively. So um, I don't know whether Rob or John will be able to expand on that, but I'm sure that would be a great thing to hear how, how they've done that. Brilliant. Uh, maybe John, I could lean on you for that one first. I think um, for me, when we set the business up, it was all about being local, offering a local service, being being the best of what we did, being able to tick every box for our clients and actually offer that kind of one stop shop, as I've, I've mentioned before. But because we've done so well at what we do, we've actually really been able to take the business forward on a more national scale. Um, referrals lead to refer- referrals and groups of areas start to grow. So we've got clients in Scotland, we've got clients in London, we've got clients all over the country. And can you tell me a little bit about the variety that exists among Carvershore franchisees? Thanks, John. And I think what's interesting uh, around the model is that we have uh, quite a variety. So we've got people that are running uh, sole locations uh, and uh, really focused on advice, quality advice to their their local communities. And we've also got a number of franchisees that are running multiple sites uh, and uh, also with areas of expertise. And that's a growing element of our model. And I'd expect that to continue to grow as well. I think the other element that's really interesting around how the model operates and supports itself is that when franchisees come to the end of their journey, and they're looking to release equity in their business, which, let's face it, all franchisees will have that plan that they want to deliver, achieve their ambitions, reach their goals, and then there'll be a point where they would like to exit the the business. Then we have opportunity, and we see this often, where other franchisees will invest in uh, uh, businesses to gain extra sites, so they will acquire businesses from other franchisees. And if that isn't an option for them, then what we've also got, which is quite a unique part of our group, is the ability for the Jenston Group to acquire the business from the franchisee. So there's a true life cycle to becoming uh, a Covershaw franchisee. And just bringing it back to the wider franchise sector, Emily, because it's great to have that practical example of what it really means to set up such a business. But looking more generally, what's the outlook for the franchise sector looking like? Yeah, um, to be honest, I think the the past kind of 12 to 18 months has really made people um, reevaluate their own lifestyle um, and what they want to do for themselves, their futures and their families. Um, And this has meant that people are looking to go it alone they want to kind of exit either the rat race or and maybe take um, build something for themselves and really in truth franchising um, will prosper from that um, the the portals the inquiries are increasing there's a lot of attention on franchising at the moment and when you look at the stats of 
going um, sort of self-employed versus entering into a franchise agreement. Um, for the past 20 years, it's been less than 5% failure rate for a franchisee. Um, and when you have that perfect mix of ambition and passion in the individual and they and they meet their perfect franchisor, the example really that we've heard today with, with John and, and Rob and Covershaw, um, amazing things can happen. Um, you know, you've got the you've got the blueprint, there's the support you really can hit the ground running and build a lot quicker than if you were on your own and the opportunities with that perfect partnership are really the sky's the limit um the you you heard john talk about um having one territory and then growing those out um multi-unit franchising as it's described is is really on the increase um and this is a it's a very real and um and huge opportunity for people to make a substantial income and build an asset and even pass that on through generations, which is what we're tending to see now. So um, this is certainly the beginning of um, some fantastic news for for business format franchising and um, the British Franchise Association um, being the, the trade association that accredits accredits ethical franchisors um, is is really um, keen to support the likes of Covershaw and other franchisors that are committing to ethical franchising and developing and investing in their networks and their people. So I think um, the future's looking bright. Thanks, Emily. And what about the financial support that is available to people starting up a franchise? How do the banks, for example, view franchising? It's actually up to 70% lending um, that they will give towards the franchise fee. So it's well worth people being mindful of that. Uh, any questions, you can actually visit the BFA for the details of the banks if needed. Um, the other area to be keen um, uh, and be very aware of is the franchise agreement. Now, um, the agreement will dictate the length of the partnership and the relationship with the franchisor. And it also um, has the obligations that any franchisee um, and franchisor um, relationship and the way that that will play out. Um, we do recommend that you get that independently reviewed by a franchise solicitor. And again, a large number of accredited solicitors on the BFA website. So pe people, please do um, take a look at that. Make sure you understand the obligations there on both sides. Um, it is very normal and um, that this will be weighted in the franchisor's favour. So don't be put off by that. That's part of the protection of the entire brand. Um, but uh, yeah, a couple of really key points there for people that might be thinking, what next? Fantastic. And Rob, in terms of Covershaw specifically, can you give a, a rundown on what it means to set up one of these franchises? Yeah, certainly. So I think um, just echoing a little bit what Emily was talking about there in terms of uh, if you're looking for funding, then part of that planning process is exactly what we take people through so we can support that business planning and modelling. So the type of information that you're going to need to be able to present to a bank, then we can absolutely help individuals build that that together. Um, from a, a cost perspective, the cost of a Covershaw franchise is £20,000. I think uh, the key thing that I always talk about with people when we are talking about establishing a business is really understanding the business model that they operate and actually how their ambition and their plans uh, align to that £20,000. So if there are ways that we can support uh, people establishing their businesses really effectively uh, through you know, potentially 
moving that number around in terms of time of payment, uh, uh, then that is something that we're always interested to look at, particularly if we can support people to make sure they're able to establish a business that you know really will uh, perform well uh, in the first year or two. Uh, and our interest is in making sure that people have the tools and the capability to do that. That's brilliant. And for people looking to get in touch, what's the best way to reach out to you? Would it be via email or LinkedIn or any combination of factors? Combination. So I'm on LinkedIn. So if you search for Rob Palmer of Covershaw, you'll find me on there. Equally, my email address is rob.palmer at covershaw.co.uk. Fantastic. Thanks so much. And Emily, Rob, John, many thanks to each of you for your time today. It's been a real pleasure speaking with you. Thank you. And for everybody listening, many thanks for joining us here today. And I look forward to having you back with us next time here on IBUK Talk. Thank you for listening to this episode of IBUK Talk. For more from the experts at Covershore, visit them covershore.co.uk. That's covershore.co.uk for more. Thank you for listening to IB Talk. For the latest episodes, be sure to follow us on SoundCloud, Stitcher, and Apple Podcasts.